You're listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. For more information, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk. So the reading for today, and Justine's going to come and read it, is from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I'm just going to pray for Jamie before he comes to preach. Lord God, I thank you for uh, the faithful preaching of the word in this church. Thank you, Lord God, for Jamie and his leadership. And Lord, we just bless him in the name of Jesus, and we invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak through him right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. Okay, so, um, Advent 2, and um, we're looking at perhaps a a well-known passage, but one that's maybe not spoken on so much. So, um, it's good to be able to... uh, uh, to come and spend a bit of time here. Uh, rather than uh, dig it apart and do some excavation work, we're going to leave that for, um, for your home group. So, uh, so we've recommended a couple of Advent books for you over this period, a couple of real crackers, and we encourage you to, to buy them. And if you need any help uh, with that, then we're happy to, uh, to, to help you take away one of those resources. But also we'd really recommend uh, to you the one that Sue Stout provided, uh, which is an excellent resource tailored for, uh, for our church family. And in it, uh, the next Advent reading, I believe, is, is looking in a bit more detail about what's going on with, with Mary and some of the context, and it gives you that opportunity to be able to dig a bit more. Um, so, uh, so here today, uh, we're going to have a look at what is known as the Magnificat, Mary's song, uh, taken from the Gospel uh, of Luke. Uh, you would have noticed, or you would hopefully have remembered, for those of you that were here last week or caught up online, uh, that last week during Advent 1 we spoke about, uh, we were trying to, to see what were some of the main reasons why Jesus uh, came to earth. And the first thing that we looked at, and something that we need to be confident and know in our hearts and our souls, that the reason why Christ came during this period that we're celebrating Christmas, Christ came to save sinners. Jesus came to rescue us from our sin, from our darkness, to banish our sin, to take our sin upon his shoulders, upon that cross, and to cast away our sin and our shame. Just thinking through that a lot this last week, I was reminded of how uh, we need little coercion or or, or little impetus to to be able to go out and sin. It's just something that we just do. The Bible points to the fact that we are born into this curse. We are born into the curse of sin. And that's something that you see 
uh, demonstrated for you in children straight away off the bat. Uh, as a father to five, I see this day in, day out. I see this in myself with my parenting and response, but I was humoured uh, this week over the last few days when I came downstairs and Barnabas had found all of the chocolates. So he, he, he's managed somehow, I don't know, to get hold of five advent calendars, yeah, five children, five advent calendars and eat. And when I walked into the kitchen... He was trying, I just heard this sort of ferocious rustling as he was trying to open this bag. You see the frustration in his face, trying to get into this bag of chocolates from Christmas chocolates uh, that someone had bought us. And I shouted out, Oi, what are you doing? And he just went like this and crumbled and hid himself. And it was like that was a perfect demonstration of someone being caught doing something that's wrong and trying to hide from their sin, trying to hide from their shame. And he was just like that, thinking, now I couldn't see him hiding behind his arm. I just thought that was a great example how from very early on we show that the Bible is true and we are in fact born under this curse and what we need is a saviour what we need is someone to come a messiah to come and rescue us from it and that is what we were looking at last week that christ came to the world to save sinners and to free us from sin and from shame and this morning what i i I want us to to look at is to see uh, who are these people that Christ comes to dwell with, or the phrase that we've used in the bulletin, I think, those with whom God is pleased to dwell. We're going to look at this morning those with whom God is pleased to dwell. One specific example. And you know, if you survey the gospel accounts, you will see a familiar theme going on. Page after page after page, you will see the type of people that our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ is reaching out to. And it Particularly, it shows us, especially it shows us the type of people that he reaches out to. It shows us that he reaches out to the poor, the outcasts, the marginalised, those whom society has pushed to the peripheries and said, not worthy, don't want to hear your voice, not interested in you. This is what we see again and again in the Gospels, and we need to get this as a church, that God prioritize or if you like shows preference it's not that other people don't matter to god of course they do god cares about the rich and the affluent but what you will see again and again in the gospels is a christ who goes with specific interest to that poor and to the marginalized and to the broken and to the hopeless so much so that they called him the friend of sinners they called our lord and savior the friend of sinners And it's important that we realise this as the church because in this, as we watch and as we monitor Jesus' movements, we see the Father's heart. We see what has always been upon the heart of our Father God. It shows us that God is concerned for the marginalised. It shows us that God is concerned for those at the lower echelons, the lower ends of society. Those who were so ill thought of that their testimony and their voices would not have been even counted in court. And it reminds us, again, of those with whom God is pleased to dwell, to come to, for whom this message is for. That the prophecies would be fulfilled of him that Isaiah spoke and that Jesus stood up and said, this is speaking about me, when the prophecies said that those living in darkness have seen a great light. 
those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death upon them the light has dawned. This morning though, as we look at those with whom God is pleased to dwell, I want to give you a specific example. Look into the life of Mary and her beautiful, it's a beautiful and joyous song called the Magnificat. Okay. So what was Mary so full of joy about? We've seen something of that already today. What was this joy that caused Mary to, to bubble up from within and just blurt out and declare? Mary's joy was that God had not forgotten his people. Even that is a word for some of us here this morning. God has not forgotten you. And we see that that is part of Mary's joy. That God has not forgotten her and he's not forgotten their people as they live in darkness. But that he was sending the saviour and that her part was to conceive a baby in her womb in the most amazing, unprecedented of ways. Unprecedented meaning this has never happened before. So sure, in the Old Testament, we see examples of God causing barren women like Sarah in Genesis or Hannah, the prophet Samuel's mother, and here, Elizabeth, mother of John, John the Baptist, to, in their old age, conceive miraculously. So we see that in that sense. But what is taking place here with Mary is far beyond those miracles. In that, and I'm assuming we're all up to speed, okay, on our human reproductive knowledge. Okay, I don't want to go uh, into it too much. But the, the child here was not conceived by a man, but by God. Not in the way that maybe people were thinking back then in some sort of Greek mythology, mythological way, where the gods come down and visit humans and they have babies. Not like that at all, but miraculously. And we often skip through this, but it, it's, it's a big deal what's going on here. We just accept it as Christians. I've never had a problem accepting this, the virgin birth, but I can imagine many people out there, this would be a stumbling block for people. What do you mean that God miraculously caused Mary to become pregnant? What do you mean by the virgin birth? That doesn't make sense. That's biologically impossible. And you see something in the text, in the narrative of, of Mary's doubt with this. Mary's young, but she's not stupid. She's not daft. She's asking the same question. How? I'm a virgin. Verse 34. To which the angel Gabriel responds, verse 35. The Holy Spirit and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So what do we see here? Look in the text. God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, all present in this wonderful, wonderful passage. Don't rush through the miracle of the incarnation. See the Godhead at work here in the plan of salvation for God's people. It's sublime. God, high and lifted up, who holds the world in his hands is now being held in the fragile, vulnerable womb of Mary as a baby. But not just any baby, but as Matthew records Gabriel telling Joseph, a son to whom you are to give the name Jesus, because he will save 
their people. He will save his people from their sins. Isn't it wonderful to think through that? Christ in heaven makes himself, lowers himself to come and put himself vulnerable state as a baby in the womb of a young woman. It is sublime. Don't rush this Christmas through these truths thinking, I know it. Stop, pause, and remember what your God has done for us and the wonderful way in which he's done it. So the question then becomes, but, but why Mary? Why would God choose Mary, a young woman, betrothed to a carpenter in Nazareth, in an ill-thought-of town, some dumpy, insignificant town? I've been there a couple of times. I'm telling you, it's, it's not that great still. Nathaniel, later on in the Gospels, uh, says when he was told the promised one was here, he said, what, out of Nazareth? You've got to be joking. Coming out of Nazareth. Yeah? Forgotten, lowly town. Mary was not special in the world's eyes. They were all to be found in the courts. She was from nowhere special. They were to be found in the palaces or in the Sanhedrin or in the upper echelons of society. Why Mary, this poor peasant girl from Nazareth? Well, I'm sure that's how Mary viewed it herself. In fact, it's, it's these factors that have led many critics throughout the years to question whether Mary could have actually even written this song. They doubt it. They say, well, literally, how could a young, uneducated girl from Nazareth have written it? They say, when you look at it and, and do that with your own eyes, that the content and the structure is, is so grand. It's so theologically rich, and there are so many allusions to the Old Testament. Literally, line after line is quoting the Old Testament. It's like, how on earth could she have written something so, so wonderful? This is a masterpiece. And so that leads critics and some scholars to, uh, to say that she just couldn't have done it. It's, it's, too, it's too polished. Maybe this is some sort of a, a, a knockoff from some Jewish uh, song. Uh, that we don't have in our, in our canonized Bible. Or maybe just this is some uh, thing that the church has done later on and added it to our Bible because they thought, oh, we'll come up with this wonderful theological song to summarize what poor Mary could never have done herself. We'll do it for her and we'll add it into the Bible because it, it sounds a lot better if, if we jump in, yeah? But again, isn't this what we see in scriptures? That when God, by his spirit, visits and come upon his people, they receive power. They receive inspiration. They receive words. Think of this. Put this on the back boiler. That when God comes by his spirit upon his people, they receive power, they receive inspiration, and they receive the words to speak. And put that on the back boiler because that's important for us as a church as we seek to reach out to the lost. Is the Holy Spirit's that empowers. If God calls you, he will equip you. So, they receive inspiration. Uh, so, so, sorry. So, look at, uh, for example, uh, Peter and John in the temple courts before the Sanhedrin. The priests are amazed that these ordinary Galilean carpenters are speaking with such knowledge and boldness. Yeah? And that's in Acts 4. Or turn to Second Peter 1.21, which says that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we see in the New Testament examples of when the Holy Spirit empowers God's people. They have the words to speak as they are filled with the Spirit. Because, again, 
the Holy, who, who God empowers with the Holy Spirit, those whom he chooses, he gives the words to say. And, and, and here he has chosen, who has he chosen? But a poor, uneducated girl from Nazareth. Okay, and so then as we try to think through God's selection process here, who is God choosing? Why is God choosing? Are we not again reminded that this is entirely consistent with the scriptures? That God chooses those that are weak. God chooses those that are unheard and unused in the world's eyes. Why? To demonstrate his power and to show his love. Look at Gideon. Look at Samuel. Look at Ruth. Look at David. Look at Esther. Read through the Gospels. Read about Peter and Andrew and Mary Magdalene and the woman at the well. God chooses the rejected of this world. Those who think God would never choose anyone like me. And God chooses them, empowers them, and sends them. And here, once again, we have another example of Mary. Look at how she is viewed in God's eyes, verse 28 and 30. Not as unfortunate, not as lowly, as some lowly young girl who couldn't possibly write a song like this. But, do you see it? But as favoured, as a favoured one with whom God is pleased to dwell. Someone who God has his eye upon. God notices her and God trusts her with the most sacred of all responsibilities to carry the Messiah. What does that tell you about God? About who God chooses and who God uh, commissions with his word and with such responsibility. And we see Mary's response that despite so much to be overwhelmed about some of that, uh, James communicated to us. How does she actually respond? Maybe she doesn't fully understand. We know that from the preceding chapter. Maybe she doesn't fully understand the path that God has given. But nonetheless, what is her response ultimately with this great task for which she does not have all the answers? She believes. She believes. So verse 38, maybe a bit of audience participation. Someone, verse 38, read that out for me loud. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Let me have your word. Mary believed. Or let's look at how Elizabeth understands it as Mary makes haste to visit her. And Elizabeth breaks forth into, again, this wonderful prophetic song. So verses uh, 43 to 45. Thank you. Verse 45 says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfilment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And what comes as a result of that belief? That believing that, that, that God is doing something here. We see such great joy, don't we? Belief in God's word results in great joy. Elizabeth is full of joy. Mary is full of joy. Even John the Baptist in the womb 
leaps for joy. Because the Christian message brings joy. Because the Christian message is that Jesus has arrived. The gospel brings great joy. It's joy that God has revealed his divine plan of redemption to his people to save sinners, to reconcile a broken world living in darkness, to send his son, the Lord Jesus, who would, uh, by the Spirit, empty himself. The King of Heaven lower himself to take on flesh and to put himself into the womb of a, a peasant girl in Nazareth. Joy to the world. God has heard his people and he has come. Mary's response is believing in that message. She is believing that God is going to do great things. That nothing is impossible with God. And that's what Mary's song is all about. A song or a poem that is affectionately called the Magnificat. Because they are words, it's called the Magnificat because they are words that magnify God. They are words that speak of God. That is to make much of God. It's all about making much of Jesus. Magnifying and rejoicing in him, or put another way, glorifying him and enjoying him forever. Mary's song is ours. Mary's song that great is the Lord who has done great things. Let us magnify his name is our song. It's our job to make much of him, to make him known. That is our joy as well. That's our song today. That's our song this morning. That Jesus has broken into our lives. And Jesus has broken into my life. And Jesus has broken into your life. And that's why we sing and praise that Jesus has rescued us. He is the one that we come to adore this morning. Mary, John and Elizabeth are all key figures in the faith, but they would all have us look unto the Lord. And, and, as, and that is what we want to do this morning. Look to the Lord, magnify the Lord, and Holy Spirit, help us with this task this morning. John the Baptist took a leaf out of his auntie's book here, didn't he? He puts it like this. He, Jesus, must increase... And I must decrease. Is that not our prayers this morning as we go into Christmas? And so much to take our attention away and so much to be elevated in our lives and in our families. We want to stop and we want to say, no, Holy Spirit, help us. We must decrease and the Lord must increase. Is anyone alive here today? Can anyone amen that? Amen. It's about increasing the name of our Lord. And this song is so insightful also because it, it shows us the traits that are pleasing to God and those that are not. So we can see also from this song not only the character and the nature of Mary, but the type of people whom God is pleased to dwell with and, and what it is about them that God loves to gravitate towards. So we can see from this song that Mary was someone that believed, that she was someone that made much of the Lord, verse 46. She was someone that despite the difficulties with the path that God had given her, she was someone despite the uncertainty of the unknown was remarkably positive and joyful. Christians are marked by suffering, yes. But Christians, what really sets Christians apart is not this stoic attitude that just gets through suffering. Is having joy in the midst of their suffering because their hope is in Jesus. Do you hear me, church, this morning? 
So, Mary was someone who, despite some denominations' insistence, she wasn't perfect. And in fact, she recognised her lack and her need for a saviour, verse 47. She was humble and she was servant-hearted. The word here literally means, when you see servant-hearted, literally means slave. Mary's response to this message, that God looked and knew how Mary's heart would respond, was, I am willing to be a slave for God. Verse 48, that's a challenge, isn't it? I am willing to do whatever you ask of me, God, because I am making myself a slave and a servant for you. Whatever the cost, I am your slave. And in this age where we have idolised so much personal happiness and achievements and relationships and families, are you willing to be a slave for Jesus Christ? She had a deep reverence for God and knew his name was not just great, but verse 49, that it was holy and to be revered. She feared God who was merciful, verse 50, who was strong, verse 51, who watches over his people, who exalts the humble, verse 52, who fills the hungry with good things, verse 53. Again, I'll I'll stop because I I believe that that's a word for someone here today. Did you know that, that God, that Jesus fills the hungry with good things? Do you hunger and thirst for the Lord? He, he, he satisfies the hungry and the thirsty soul. Think about that, dear brothers and sisters. The hungry he fills with good things. No good thing does he withhold from those that love and revere him. Nothing. doesn't hold anything back. Because he is a good and loving. I might always be. The answer that you're looking for. But God is working for good in his children's lives. And he does all of this because Mary's song tells us he is a merciful helper who has remembered the covenant he has made with his people. You see, our world is so messed up. We live in an upside down world where we we just don't value the things or people like God does. Uh, the famous uh, philosopher and theologian Soren uh, Kierkegaard, he said that the world is like a shop where all the price tags have been switched out and messed up and everything's wrong. So you just walk in and you don't know what the value is of anything anymore. But here, Mary shows us how God correctly prices the things of this world. He shows us what God says is worthy and what God says are characters to be des- uh, desired and those that are not God, in contrast, isn't impressed by earthly accomplishments. He doesn't take notice of earthly values, thinking, oh, well, that person's qualified, I'll use them. It's not to say that he doesn't do that. Of course he does. But more often than not, what we see is is God looks upon people. The God of our Bible says again and again, that uh, he's revealed it to his word, that he, he picks the ordinary and weak things of this world. Those that are willing, whose hearts say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I trust and I believe you. He picks the weak of this world to to show his strength. The God of this Bible shows us again and again how he has a heart for all people, yes, but especially the poor and the marginalised, the outcast and the have-nots. Again, remember the ministry of Jesus. 
See who he went out of his way to spend time with. And I think this is so important for us that we, we gauge this and we bank it in our hearts. Because I think if a church is in an area where there is great need and poverty, which we are, or if it's within reach, for, it to, for us not to go out likewise, for us to not go out of our way and prioritise that likewise, like Jesus did, then we're missing something. Understand what I'm saying? Because we see that in the Gospels. Christ goes out of his ways for those that are in pain and broken and without hope. And that's right here on our doorstep. And we need to prioritise that as Christ did and as we read about in the Gospels. If we as the people of God who have been forever changed by God, whose song, Mary's song, has become ours, we need to go as Christ has shown us. You say, Pastor, how is Mary's song ours? To which I say, look again, look again. Has not he who has mighty done good things in your life? That's a pretty deafening silence. I'm toying. Has not he who is mighty done good things in your life, church? Look to the cross. He has made us born again. He is our saviour, using Mary's words. He has been merciful to us. He has not forgotten us in our troubles, but he is the God who is watching over you who has remembered you. But do you want to know something really great? That's similar to Mary. As he did with Mary, he now lives in you. Isn't that a wonderful reminder this morning? That as God incarnate came and was in Mary, the Bible tells us that Christ is now in each one of you that confess him as Lord. Or as Paul says, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations is now disclosed to the Lord's people. So, so this mystery that has been concealed all of this time has been revealed. What is it? That God has chosen to make known Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's our song. Christ is in us. Jesus, the hope of glory. Oh, church, sing this morning as we come to Advent, as we remember the glorious riches of Christmas, what it's all about. Christ has come to us. You are the people with whom he is pleased to dwell. He is living, residing in you by his Holy Spirit, in you, in you. You are favoured by the Lord. You are favoured by the Most High. Mary's song is yours. So let's conclude because I think we need to pray and sing over these truths. What can we see uh, this Advent? Some reminders for us this morning. Appreciate now, in hindsight, that probably looks like Egyptian hieroglyphics if you're sitting at the back. But it isn't. Okay, firstly, what we can be reminded this morning is that as the Lord has come to Mary and given her a song to sing, so the Lord, the faithful one throughout all the generations, has come to his people. He's come to you through the wonder of the incarnation. But also in that he has visited us, he's visited you personally. If you know him as Lord through his word and by the Holy Spirit, your eyes have been opened and your hearts filled with joy. 
that God should come to us. Joy that breaks into praise and song and worship. And that's what we're going to do shortly. Secondly, as we were reminded of our own song, of how great God is, of his great love towards us, we want others to hear it, don't we? We want others to hear about it. How can we keep silent? How can we keep these things to ourselves? It's, it's got to be surely like Mary and Elizabeth where it just overflows out of our mouth. We can't keep it in. He who is mighty has done great things. He is our saviour. Turn to him. That isn't just Mary's joy. Or just for us to keep within ourselves, within the confines of this wonderful church building. But as we accept the message, as his servants in humility and belief that he is the one that will give us the power, give us the inspiration and give us the right words to say at the right time with boldness that as he sends us, he will be with us. Mary's song is our song and we want to make that song known to others. Next, uh, we come to realise that the world's values are not usually God's. That I don't need to let my life be governed by what the world thinks of me, but by what my identity is in God, what God says about me. That's what we see in Mary. Dismissed by the world, but favoured by God. That's our identity. Maybe not important in the world's eyes, maybe because of mistakes or social status or whatever, but in God's eyes, you are favoured and you are important and you are loved in his eyes. God thinks much of us and his eyes upon the humble and those who are ready to give their lives to the service of God. Because of Jesus, you and I are favoured. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You are favoured by Christ. And then lastly, we see the truths of the gospel, that those with whom God is pleased to dwell, we see it, that God has a special place in his heart for the lowly, for the forgotten, and for the poor. And we ask Lord, give us that burden for others too, that we may love as you have first loved us. That this Christmas you would help us to tell others of the song that you have placed upon Mary's heart and ours. So let's pray. I'm going to ask uh, the Holy Spirit to help us with these things. We need his help. With this grand task, Mary was faced with a grand task, but she was empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are faced with the grand task, the Great Commission, but we need empowering by the Holy Spirit. We need this song that we've been saved to, to come alive in our hearts, and we need to ask for help. So, uh, brothers and sisters, if we want the truths of this story to crack into our heart this Christmas, let's uh, ask, ask the Lord, just sorry as I, as I lead us into a prayer, um, I, I am aware uh, that, that, that for many this joy is absent at the moment, and maybe for, for some of us we just need this joy to, uh, to, to bubble back to life uh, in our hearts and in our spirits. I, I was particularly encouraged this morning... Uh, after having a, a, a pretty naff week, 
that I had some, some news that really, uh, really cheered me up and it really made me think, yes, Lord, your, your timing is so good. I've come in here thinking, well, I've got to talk about a song of joy and I've had a rubbish week, but I had the news literally an hour before I came up here and it really uh, just really encouraged us as a family and I thought, God is so good. His timing is absolutely perfect. And if that's you and you're lacking his joy this morning, I'm believing that he will, by his Holy Spirit, uh, restore the joy of your salvation to you. And so if that's you, then, uh, then, then let's steady our hearts and, uh, and humble ourselves before God, believing that he is mighty, will do great things. Father, I pray for my brothers or sisters this morning. I pray for particularly anyone uh, for whom, as we approach this season, we hear these truths and there are ones that we're familiar with, and yet still, Lord, we lack joy. Lord, please, according to your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you give whoever that is your joy of knowing that they are favoured in your eyes and that you are watching over them and that you are for them, looking to bless them. Father, would you by your spirit give them your joy now as they say, Lord, I need that. And Father, we pray for us as a church and for us as your people uh, that, Lord, you would remind us of the song that you have placed in our hearts as we read from Psalm 40, that we have been rescued and set upon a rock, that you have rescued us and that you have given us life and joy and loved us as your own children. Father, may this song burst forth from our mouths. Lord, as we stop and reflect of the mighty things you have done for your people this Christmas. Lord, we pray that we would be uh, people that relay this message to others. And tell others of your greatness and of your fame. Holy Spirit, please be with us, bless us, fill our hearts with joy this morning. That the wondrous things you have done for us, your people. And we say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Should we stand and sing in response? You have been listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. To find out more about us, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk.